folks, and welcome. Welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajimam, again. And this podcast is brought to you, among others, by our sponsor, Humble Bunny, who are bilingual, so both English and Japanese, web design and e-commerce implementer here in Japan. So if you've got a business, big or small, or are working for a business that needs a better online presence, hit them up on inquisitive at humblebunny.com. As to speak with Nate, tell him you heard about the company here on the podcast. You won't regret it. Okay, so for today's episode, um, this is a call that I had last week with one of our clients who's purchased a ski holiday home back in 2018. And I really wanted to have a chat with her for some time now, just to understand the time, um, the mind frame that leads our clients to the decision to actually buy their own cabins near the slopes rather than pay for their ski holidays every year. I mean, I had a rough idea of the thought process that leads people to do that overall and also a basic understanding of why they choose Japan over other places for this purpose. But not being a winter sport enthusiast myself, and that's mainly because I'd probably break every bone in my body if I tried. I'm notoriously clumsy and hopelessly lacking when it comes to any sort of physical balance, um, as my sad attempts at surfing and skating or rollerblading have uh, demonstrated to me over the years. So I really wanted to hear from her a bit more about her own personal history and her interest in Japan as a ski destination. So yeah, really good conversation. And since we've been receiving more and more of these inquiries recently, um, considering how cheap these properties are now, that there are no tourists coming in, I thought it would probably hold interest for quite a few of you out there as well who are considering similar purchases. So here's our conversation. Uh, my side of it is pretty low on the volume. Apologies for that. I've apparently overcompensated on the audio levels uh, for her side of the conversation. But she did most of the talking in any case, so hopefully good enough for consumption purposes. So enjoy, and I shall see you again on the other side. Hi, Vanessa, and thank you heaps for agreeing to be interviewed on the podcast. It is so good to have you here with us today. Hi, Ziv. Um, yeah, it's really great to be talking with you in person today, um, instead of lots of emails from our sunny Port Macquarie here. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware that just over a week ago, the Hastings region experienced a one in 100 year flood, which was it's really quite devastating to the area. But we're slowly getting back on our feet. Yeah, I've heard that. Are you guys okay, everyone that you know? Yeah, um, personally, we're okay. Um, but yeah, lots of families and friends. And yeah, it's going to be a long road to recovery. But it's a really, really supportive community. So everyone's really, really contributing. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. That's good. Um, okay, so I mean, to, to get to what we were talk going to be talking about, um, I suppose it wouldn't be fair of me to ask you how you're enjoying your uh, Japanese ski home, considering you weren't able to come and use it at all this year and last year. Well, um, actually, my husband was in Japan last year. Uh, it was, I think, late February. And he was over skiing with some mates and he actually only just made it back into Australia prior to shutdown with COVID. So, yeah, he's, he's feeling pretty smug that he managed to squeeze in two Japanese ski trips Ooh. in 2020. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it doesn't really bother us a lot that we can't get there at the moment. Um, it, as you know, it's, it's a good opportunity for us to explore some areas in Australia that we never get to because, you know, we, we gravitate to Japan as much as we can. And, um, yeah, I, I suppose the most unfortunate is that um, 
it's been um, a, an epic snow season in Japan this year yes. with up to 20 metres in some of the regions. I've seen the pictures. Um, it looks brilliant, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> so, so that is a bit of a tease. But, yeah, and it, you know, that comes with its downsides as well. Um, we do have some friends on the mountain who uh, they couldn't get to their lodge. There's a number of businesses that, that did not open at all on the mountain. And unfortunately, um, some of the roofs have collapsed with the, the weight of snow. Oh, no. So, yeah, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's pros and cons. Um, we know that our property is really safe and well cared for, so we don't have any concerns yeah. with that at all. Okay, so I mean, um, put, putting aside last year, um, let, let's maybe go a few year, years back. So you've purchased your um, property through us. This, that was back in 2018 now. And, you know, nobody even assumed all of this COVID stuff would happen. But I'm curious what actually led you to it. So, I mean, I know that you're a teacher in Australia. How did you even get to thinking about a Japanese ski holiday home of your own? Yeah, it's quite a turn of events because... Um, I just graduated from uni way back in 1997 and um, I'm a PE teacher but I wasn't really that keen on going straight into the Australian school system. Um, so I was sort of looking at other opportunities and uh, an opportunity came up to work in Tokyo. Uh, many many um, expats might be familiar with the Nova English Language School. Yep. So I decided to head over there. Um, and while I was there, I, another opportunity came up and I ended up uh, working as a speechwriter for a doctor of orthomolecular nutrition. Um, he was preparing for a world symposium in New York and it was just an incredible experience. It probably made my entire trip. It just I was exposed to so much culturally that I wouldn't have had an opportunity had I have stayed just working as an English teacher and, and living with English-speaking people. So, yeah, it was, it was an incredible opportunity. Um, but that sort of came to an end and I, I sort of I was ready to come back to Australia and, and um, look at teaching in Australia. And I ended up, funnily enough, you know, um, came back and didn't teach PE but taught Japanese in primary schools. So... Um, so from there, um, I'm, I'm actually from Tasmania originally, and so the thought of paying ridiculous amounts of money to go anywhere cold and to go skiing with also the added risks of knee injuries, it really didn't appeal to me at all. But we, we had some friends, uh, I think it was probably around 2011, they convinced me to go uh, to New Zealand for a ski holiday. So I gave in. I'd never been there before. So I thought, well, um, I'll give it one shot. And I can honestly say from the first run down, I was absolutely hooked. So, um, yeah, I just I love technical sports and I loved learning something new. Um, the cold didn't bother me as long as I had good gear. So <laughs> that was okay. So... Um, yeah, so we'd found a new sport and, and then the next year it was actually our wedding anniversary. So I suggested to my husband, who was equally as addicted, um, that maybe Japan, apparently it's got some good snow, so maybe we should check that out. And so we headed up to the uh, 
the, uh, to Hokkaido, um, to the Niseko region. And again, this just fueled both of our addictions again, and we just loved it. And, and my husband hadn't spent any time in Japan, but he just loved the culture and just, you know, just all of the, um, the culture experiences that came with um, an active physical ski holiday um, and great food. So it, it was ticking every box. Um, but unfortunately, once we started taking our children across, we realised that, you know, this this is – we just transitioned from one expensive sport of triathlons to an even more expensive sport. And, you know, that's – once you have to include things like lift tickets and equipment hire and lessons for the kids and food on the mountain – and that's not even getting started with accommodation and, and meals in general. So that's sort of what got me thinking um, about how we could do this a bit cheaper. And, and that started my, my research process. Um, so that's when I found you, Deb. <laughs> so I, don't, I, don't, I can't even remember when I first came across you, but I know it was quite some time ago. Um, we... I think Niseko, I think you pointed out that uh, Niseko um, was really starting to explode. We'd kind of missed the boat a little bit on that one. It's all because of the Aussies, um, and, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. And, and that was actually the downside. As much as we enjoyed it, um, you know, there were Australians everywhere. So, And that's not what we were going there for. Um, it's very safe for, um, for first-time people to Japan, I think, to go to regions like that, it, may, it sort of eases them into it. But um, we we wanted something a bit different. So with your help, Ziv, we started looking at different regions. Um, we'd been um, keen to find something that was a little more authentic. So but the surpri- another surprising thing, when, when I actually lived in Japan, it had been during the Nagano Olympics. Um, were you were you in Japan at that time, Steve? Um, no, I was still in Australia then. You're in Australia, uh, and I, I mean, being a PE teacher, I just loved it, and I, I remember watching it obsessively. But I didn't make any effort to go and see any of the events because I just wasn't really into being cold, and <laughs> so yeah, I, I'd heard of Hakuba and Miyoko before, and we'd skied once in. Shiga Kogan, um, but that was about it. And I think it was, yeah, you that suggested Madaral. And and then, again, we looked a little further and, and you found us a place um, over 10 grand and we've, um, yeah, just found um, that. And we realised that the criteria was very much with younger families. We wanted something that we could walk um, to the ski lift that we didn't have to pack up off the mountain and head home that mm. we just wanted. We, we were quite specific and I think you'll agree with, with what we wanted. Um, and the other part was we just weren't so sure about if, um, if how committed we were going when we knew that we needed um, to be sure it was the right thing for us because uh, we wanted to have this as something for a long time. So, yeah, we did a lot of research and you were very, very patient with us as we made our way through that process. 
Well, I mean, people who buy holiday homes, most of our customers are investors, so they're just looking at Excel sheets and bottom lines and maybe do a bit of research about an area. But um, people who are buying holiday homes or any kind of home for their own use, um, they should be picky, right? Like that's that's the point. That's a place that you're going to be enjoying on your own. Yeah, yeah. I had some people question me on, I said, oh, you spent three years researching for that. <laughs> um, and it's like, well, yeah, actually. <laughs> so, um, and I don't regret that for one minute because, um, as you know, we did, uh, we moved around a few different areas as well, even in Nagano where we were looking at. Um, and you recall that there was one um, one place that you definitely um, actually wouldn't let us invest in. Oh, the embezzlement um, property, right? <laughs> yeah, and you, because I just I am so thankful for that with uh, your due diligence that you had done your research and um, I was very emotionally connected to that and I was probably really just wanted um, to get moving but um, you, you allowed us to to see um, the problems and the long problems that we would be experiencing once we, uh, if we had purchased and gone ahead with that. So, yeah, it's just been such a magical um fairy tale in the end because it's exactly what we've wanted um so yeah the, the research was worth it that's that's great to hear i'm really happy to hear that and um i mean the the way that you got there which is i guess most of the people who contact us for holiday homes so um you figure out like you said that the cost of like an annual or a biannual holiday is going to be way more expensive than actually owning and maintaining a holiday home of your own uh, especially if you're not um too fa too fancy with your requirements on the home but was I'm, I'm curious, was there like something of a break-even point for you? Like, for example, if you're just a couple, you only come here for two weeks every year, it's still worth it with the hotels. But like you said, when you're bringing the family over, you're coming for a month every year, then it makes sense. What, what was that tipping point that convinced you that price-wise it was better to have the place? Or was it not just price? Um, yes, on both. But it wasn't just price because um, I am very emotionally connected to Japan and I, I love having my little piece of Japan, yeah. <laughs> that little um, sense that that we uh, we belong. It gives us a connection um, and we've met so many friends over there um, and, and my, our children uh, have, are meeting people as well. But as far as financially, I think if we were going for a one-week holiday, yes, maybe it it you'd be breaking even then with a family of four. But for us, it just wasn't enough. We definitely, definitely wanted to be on the mountain um, every day for, you know, for up to a month, if not more. Like we would love to be able to spend um, as much time as we can. Um, we have, being and being a school teacher, I can only travel at the high season. So we're absolutely paying top dollar for flights and for accommodation and everything else if we were just holidaying. So this allows us so much more to um, to stay on the mountain. Um, we can cook at home. Uh, the children can just go back to the apartment whenever they like, and they um, they're able to um, you know develop. Um, friendships over there and they want to be with us I thought with our 17 year old he would have 
uh, be done with family holidays, but he now assures us he will be on the first flight out with us. Um, and he's looking at um, looking at doing uni externally over there and it, he says, I'll just live in the apartment. So <laughs> he's already got his, his plans. Um, but to be honest, another um, hidden gem has been the green season of the mountain. Um, and Japan is not as advanced with Australia, I would say, with um, having um, monetizing the mountains in green season. Yeah. But um, it's actually our mountain has been picked as one of the um, seven worldwide Granduro mountain bike areas. So mountain biking is really developing over there. Um, the We didn't realize we we're on the footstep um, of the um Shinetsu Trail that we could easily go and do. There's a five mountain um hike and um some canoeing there. Like it, it's absolutely stunning in the green season. And to be honest, we haven't been there yet during the green season, but we're super keen. We definitely um, would like to set ourselves up. And ideally our long point is that we can maybe spend six months of the year in in Japan, and then maybe six months of the year here in Australia. So that's brilliant. That's our dream, and we're well on the way. So yeah. So I'm I'm wondering, um, how did you find coping? I mean, obviously you said you speak uh, at least a little bit of Japanese. You were a Japanese teacher, so probably more than a little. Mm. Uh, how are you coping with the fact that in places like Tangram, as opposed to Niseko? Um, the management company uh, handling the resort, uh, they've obviously got a lot of rules and regulations about who can use the property, what to do with the garbage, or you might have requests for them um, to accept deliveries or, or to prepare something for you. How, how are you finding dealing with them uh, when you're there or when you're not there through us kind of thing? Uh, it, honestly, Ziv, it would not have been possible without you. Um, we, when we first purchased, we needed to furnish um, and we needed to have the management uh, receiving all the goods which were coming from multitude of different online shops. Um, and um, my Japanese teaching experience and knowledge um, extends to the junior syllabus. <laughs> so right. as much as I can converse and, and get around generally speaking, I don't have the skills to do that. Um, and definitely when it comes um, to things like the body corp and, and reading the minutes from the meetings, um, I absolutely do not have the skills to do that. And, and I'm very well aware of how important um, it is to, um, to understand that because that will fi could financially um, affect us in, in, in many ways. So, um, Absolutely, um, Ziv, with you and your team, you've been able to guide us through that process. And I just have no concerns um, that that you're caring for us and that you have our best interests at heart. I, I absolutely know that. So, um, yeah, I'm very thankful. Oh, thank you. We really appreciate that. So it sounds like you're definitely not regretting the decision to buy a holiday home. No, we're definitely not not uh, regretting it. And in fact, you know, we, I, as you know, Ziv, um, we've looked at other options with um, as an investment as well. 
um, at different times in different locations. And we definitely, that's certainly on the cards. Um, we would definitely consider um, another um, investment property that we could um, look towards that, um, whether that is something um, in, a, in a different area completely, um, and that would be something that we wouldn't be as emotionally connected to, but this one, yeah, def is more about um, us and our family, and it's something that we, we just see our children taking their children back there in the future. So, I, yeah, I, I would really like to speak to you more about that in the future as well, Ziv, so. Anytime, and we're, we're really happy that we could help um, make you happy. I mean, that's basically what we're here for and what drives our business, so that's fantastic. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we, again, we really appreciate your time and your business and, of course, the kind words. And um, hopefully we'll see you again this, I want to say this winter. I'm hoping it'll be this winter. But, uh... Oh, I hope so too. <laughs> so, I'm not so sure, but, um, you know, we, we, it won't be long. And I'm certain that, yeah, we'll be there as soon as we can. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make the most of it for sure. And now that I know that you're not um, a strictly only a, a winter ski person, uh, you should definitely check out Fukuoka where we are. This is like the um, the beach paradise of Japan, at least from my perspective. Uh, yeah. Well, that's where that's where I need to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe we don't need to come back to Australia for summer. So <laughs> we just hang out there. So. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Vanessa. It was a pleasure speaking yeah. with you. And yeah, again, I hope to see you soon. Yeah. And, and Ziv, I'd just like to say to any of your listeners, if anyone is having any hesitations, um, yeah, I can't recommend your services more highly. So thanks again. Thank you so much. Great speaking with you, Vanessa. Okay. Thanks, Ziv. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right. So there you have it. Our chat with the lovely Vanessa from Australia, a happy owner of a ski chalet in the mountains in Nagano. And if you're a winter sports enthusiast or a Japan enthusiast and you are interested in purchasing a similar property uh, for your own personal use, whether it's for skiing or other holiday purposes, don't be shy to hit us up in the comment section or just via info at nippontradings.com. That's N-I-P-P-O-N tradings with an S, all one word, info at nippontradings.com. We're always happy to talk shop free of any charge or commitment. Don't be shy. Contact us. And if your interest in Japan runs a bit deeper than a holiday setting, so if you're considering moving here, setting up a company or a branch office or a sales office here in Japan and so forth, our sponsor Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener extraordinaire, is here for you. Check out his new website, japanimmigrationexperts.com, all one word, and ask him any questions you may have, whether it's regarding a business visa, an investment plan that you might have, or a business plan that's somehow related to Japan. And if you've got a product or service or project that you'd like more English speakers in Japan or English speakers who are interested in Japan to know about, drop us a line and we'll share our sponsorship programs with you. They're very affordable, just $20 or $30 monthly in most cases, and they'll give you immediate exposure to thousands of listeners monthly. All right, so that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. We hope to have you with us again next time, and we would really, really appreciate it if you could share this episode and the podcast with your own networks, or even better, if you could leave us a rating or review on the iTunes store. Share the love, let us and other people know what you think. So have a great day or night ahead, and until next time, yoroshiku!